wonderful uh, song just for my scripture reading tonight found in the Gospel of St. John, the third chapter, and the sixteenth verse. Let's read these two verses here this evening and see what the Lord will do for us. He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Father, bless your word to us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you this evening. And you may be seated. It's just um, um, nice to be back again this evening to fellowship with you. And and uh, I, I'm appreciative of the worship and, and, and how... Uh, lovely everybody's spirit is. If I could say this evening, I know the Word of God reaches all of us. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, maybe a message for young people or uh, uh, different uh, age people. Uh, And we, we try to take the gospel and we try to reach out to different groups, you know. And, and this sermon tonight is really for all of us, you know, because all the Word is for all of us. I, I've been to young people's service. They call it young people's service, and they, t- they talk about the things they're trying to reach to the young people, and I'm sitting back on the seat really convicted, you know what I mean? And Oh, yeah, pastors get convicted, you know what I mean? Uh, but... And or, or or inspired, you know, but uh, this is uh, what I want to say, you know, is for those people who find themselves in the time of decision, and, and especially young people, especially those that are graduating, those that are entering the workforce, those that are raising families. Uh, it seems that as you get older, the, the the pressures of life itself aren't as heavy on you. There's other forms of pressure that are on you. You know, you finally get a, uh, you pay your house off, and you you you're getting a, a social security check, and you maybe been able to save a few dollars. You're not so much burdened about your future. You might become a little more burdened about your health or a, a little more burdened about your children or different things, but certain burdens leave you. But I just wanted to approach this uh, this evening, if the Lord would help me, and uh, to, you know, kind of to give something uh, to maybe some of us that are younger. I put myself in that group, and uh, that, that it, it just just give you something to 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 know for sure just something that you can hold on and you know we live in a a a, a, a tremendous time 
And, you know, uh, if I don't have title sermons, but I found out here you better have a title sermon. So uh, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this Because of the Time. Okay, and uh, my kids at home title my sermons. So they, they pulled a, a, you know, they, they're trying to get me to title my sermons, but I don't really ever know what I'm really preaching on. So they came up with this title one day, you know, the complete understanding of all seven mysteries as God spoke forth the thunders. And so I got the picture. You know what I mean? So if you need a little something, uh, just we'll call it because of this time. If, but that doesn't mean it's going to go that direction at all. So we're just, we're just kind of here this evening. You know, uh, if you want to know what a preacher does when he's winging it, you know what I mean? But when, when you're with family, you can do that, right? We are a people. And, and, and we can rejoice as a people. We can, be, we can be wonderful together as a people. But, you know, we live in a time. And because of the time that we live in, we're, we're facing a, a, a different uh, atmosphere than we've ever faced before. Uh, and you, you especially know what our country's going through and at home our country's broken into two great political ideologies and, and uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, strife and a lot of questioning and uh, you know we, 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 find, we find ourselves in a time and because of the time there's no truth you know, all our sources of truth that we used to rely on now are referred to as fake news or politically motivated, or uh, and and so there's not that uh, that comfort that we have in truth. But you know, for us, we have truth because He said, "I am the way, the truth, the life." And, and so, though the world around us doesn't have truth, we have truth. And because of that, we become a separated people. Uh, it's, a, it's a time when there's no security in what the motives and objectives of those who are in authority. We don't even know what our governments are up to. What are they trying to get at? What are all these regulations for? Uh, you know, why do they want to take our guns? Why do they want to follow us everywhere we go? Why are they putting regulations on us? Uh, in California recently, uh, which is another country that's not part of the United States, uh, they want to start inspecting homeschools. They, they want to go in and examine the homeschool. And if you're going to teach there, they want the right to go in there and examine the homeschool and make sure, you know. And, of course, they'll come up with regulations that you've got to have fire exits and you've got to have, uh, you know, the fire extinguishers and you've got to have a fire alarm system. You know, they're going to protect that one student that you're teaching at home. You know, but nobody else is going to uh, fall under those categories. And, and things like this begin to 
wonder, what are we living in? You know, our minds no longer correlate with the, the things that are going on around us. And we extremely begin to find out that we are a people because we don't fit in with the people that are around us. And, and obviously that's going to put a pressure. And especially, it's not as bad for us as maybe older people or people that are maybe past the age of raising children or empty nesters. But for those that are coming up in this world, going through this uncertainty adds a lot of pressure to their lives. And, and, and it raises questions in their heart. I mean, there's no, there's no certainty anymore of the future. You know, we, we really don't know what, what the future holds. One day they're talking about the world blowing up, and then the next day they're talking about two people hugging and, and uh, you know, and the world's safe. Uh, you know, I, I just don't get it. Of course, I'm not too bright, but that's okay. But, you know, we're not certain of our jobs. You know, a man used to know he got a job and he worked with the company. He'd been there 15 years. You know, he knew that they would see him through to the end. No more. You know what I mean? You bet, you know, I have a friend who has a job. And I says, you got a job? He says, yeah, I got a job. I says, well, you're pretty comfortable with it? He said, well, let's put it this way. I have my resume online every day because you don't know what will happen technology we don't know what happened we're not certain of those things and and, and maybe for some of us that are have a few more years you know we're not always certain of our health and and we know as christians that the world is going to reap what it is sowing that is a law that we understand. So we've got to sit here as Christians realizing that the world cannot keep making these choices that they're making. They can't continually reject the God that they created them. They, they cannot go down this path without facing destruction and judgment. And, and we're here. You know what I'm saying? And, and we know that there's, there's, there's going to be many things strike this earth. And, it, and it, it's, it's because of this time that we live in, because of this hour that we live in, that we need grace. And, and I want to kind of talk to the young people just a little bit and those of you that things is that that uh, because of these, these circumstances and because of the things that are going on that we, we need grace. And uh, we, we understand grace. I think that the... the, the uh, in the message of grace, the prophet of God makes this statement. He says, grace is as old as the world. Amen. And, and we go back to, and we look at Adam in the garden. And, you know, and Adam, when, uh, you know, 
Adam made a choice in the garden. We know the story. I don't need to go through the story of Adam in the garden or serpent seed, any of those things. But we realize that when Adam was in the garden, he's doomed. Right? He did something that required a, a penalty. And that penalty was death. And, and so at that time that he was there, uh, God had to, to uh, he, he couldn't deny his word. Do you understand? So God, it, well, I could say this way, he instituted grace. And what grace was is that grace made a way for Adam. Because that's what grace did. Grace made a way for Adam. And, and at that time, uh, this very scripture that we read was instituted. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You know, and these are things that we should never forget as Christians, and, and especially message believers. Uh, even the fact that we heard the eagle cry for this day's by grace. And so God made a way for us, and, and he, he made a way. And so we know that He took on, that He would pay that penalty for us. And, and that's none other than grace. Grace is the, I guess I could say, the power and the source by which God delivers His love to us. It, it's the it's the, the 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 very substance and power that comes and makes a way when there's no other way. It's it's a it's a it's a force. It's a power. It's something that's sure. It, it's something that does things that are unreasonable. I like that. You know, it, it does things that grace can do things that science can't do. Grace can do things that psychologists can't do. Grace can do things that marriage counselors can't do. Grace can do things that doctors can't do. Grace can do things that we can't do. And it, it, it's, it's such a, 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 a substance that we have to possess... Or, or let's not use the word possess. It's a substance that we have to rely on. We've got to realize that it's a substance. We've got to realize that it's a real existing power that, that generates from the Father Himself. It's, it's the way that He demonstrates His love and His care for you. And because of the time that we live in, because of the resistance to us, because of the hatred of our enemy towards us, that we need grace. We need grace. It's such a powerful thing that we need. And I could just... uh, I maybe read a few statements uh, to you from the message of grace. One of them I'd like to read simply because it went so well along with 
what I was trying to say this morning. Paragraph 30 said, that's the way the body of Jesus Christ should be. So cut by the Holy Spirit, by God's great instrument and tool, that we'd be joined as one person. We are not divided. We should be one person. And it goes to show that no machine can do that that way. It takes God to do that. It takes grace to do that. Do you understand that with all the conflict we've had, with all the people making their stands, all these human beings making their voice, the vile things come out of people's mouths. Hatred comes out of people's mouths. And when I look around, there's not too many people I want to be one with. You'd rather sit down with a stranger. You know? But it's, it's going to take an outside force. Do you understand? It's going to take something that has to be supplied from above. But for us to become one, we are not going to be able to rely on our intellect. We are not going to be able to rely on our emotions. We are not going to be able to rely on our senses or our feelings. We are going to have to come to the place that we are willing to receive the grace of God for others just like we receive the grace of God for ourselves. Grace is a marvelous thing. You know, I, I was uh, very blessed a little... Uh, sister met me in the foyer and she said, Brother David, I just listened to your testimony. And I, I thought, well, that's good. And she said, I didn't even know you were coming. And I said, well, you know, God's got a reason for that, I'm sure. And she said, you know, what about on the roof? And, and I just thought, knowing that I was going to preach this, and I, I told her, I said, you know, that... God knew I was in deep darkness. And the reason he used that voice of that messenger to speak to me, because he knew that I was going to need that. That I was going to have to have that type of confirmation in my life. The same way, the way that he connected me with my wife. He knew that that's the type of, of, of equation that I needed to, uh, to, in order to be satisfied and have comfort. And that was His grace. He provided that grace. He provided that for me in order to get me to the place that I needed to be. It's always been by grace. And, and that, that word has become something that we, we just throw off without deeply considering it, that that grace had to be generated from a throne. You understand? There had to be an authority making a decision. Again, looking down at the circumstances and deciding that I will provide David McGarry the grace that he needs to make it. 
Oh, no wonder the Scripture says, If God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for you, He's got a heaven full of grace. He's got angels to carry out His grace. He can create the world that His grace might work on your behalf. So we, we understand that, that grace is a power. Too many times we think of it as a feeling or an emotion or, or something that's just kind of given out, like an ointment. No, grace is sent by God with a determination and a purpose to make something happen. So we many times says it's the grace of God. Well, really, it was the mind of God brought to manifestation. Grace is the mind of God. The decision that God made on your behalf to do something for you that you could not do. Grace makes a way. And, and I, I'm, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? It, it's a marvelous uh, thing. He says, grace is old. Grace is as old as the world is. Grace was first shown to the human race when we had began the beginning of the human race. When the human race was first created in the Garden of Eden on that dark morning when that little woman had stepped across the separating line and had gone against God's commandments and enticed her husband to do the same thing, and then the law was broken. The law have a penalty, or it isn't a law. And the law said, the day that you eat thereof, the day you shall surely die. Yeah. Amen. God made a determination. Yeah. And He determined in His heart that He would provide a way. Yeah. And, and I'm saying in the time that we're living, because of the time, we need this grace. We, we, have, we have got to come to the realization that we need this grace. Let me read this other wonderful statement. But grace was promised in the Garden of Eden. And grace came. Grace to Adam and Eve. Nowhere to go. Know which way to turn, and yet grace made a way. Let me say this, my sinner friend. You may be here this morning a prostitute. You may be here this morning a woman chaser. You may be here a drunkard, or a gambler, or a murderer. You might be here as an impure husband, an impure wife. You might be the vilest of sinners. You say, I'm past the stage of redemption. No, you're not. Or you wouldn't be at church this morning. Grace will make a way for you in this dark hour if you'll accept it. Adam had to be willing to accept it. So do you. Accept it. Because of the time... We need grace. 
I actually feel that the pressure is going to be so strong on us that it's going to be difficult for us to even make decisions. We're going to need something from somewhere. Praise God there's such a thing as grace. You know, and I, as I want to just kind of take this in a little direction, if you'll allow me. You know, one of the greatest things we battle is human nature. We know that. Our biggest enemy is ourselves. And, and, that, and we'll talk just a second on that, how that, that comes to us. But it says, you know, our human nature, we use our weaknesses for excuses. And we try to use our ability to accomplish tasks. And, and when we get into that condition, grace is forgotten. And, and we can see that even our messenger dealt with that in a message called Perfect Strength in Perfect Weakness. That he, he was trying to tell Paul, and he was trying to, don't use your excuses, don't 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 trust your ability that god has something called grace and, and 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 that's what makes things perfect it is hard to trust in that but you know faith is something that god places within our heart and and faith is designed to know the will and the way of god Faith is designed that way. And when you take that God-given faith and you place that God-given faith with the Word of God, that it, 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 I could read the statement to you. It's a marvelous statement. He says it, it just absolutely shoots it up into the throne of God. And when God sees that, you understand, when He sees your faith, the faith that He placed with you, and He sees that you place that faith with the Word of God, he, 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 the love of God for you. It's not us that obligates God. It's God's own love that He possesses for you obligates Him to send grace. <clears throat> Healing's grace. Salvation's grace, deliverance is grace. It's God making a way for us. That's what grace is. It's God making a way. And God's got to make a way for us. Because, you know, we live and each of us here, we find that... We all come from cultures. We do. I, I don't care. I, I have uh, many more Africans in my congregation than you have here. And, and the, the thing that we're continually sharing with them is that, that God's Word doesn't conform to culture. Culture conforms to God's Word. There's not a, a Mexican message and a Russian message. 
and a Chinese message. There's not the Word of God has never changed since the day it was spoken. It's still the same Word. The promises haven't lost their power since the day it's spoken. The Gospel is identically the same because if God thought it in the beginning and the Word of God is a thought expressed, so whatever He thought in the beginning was the way that it is. Can what God does to us, especially as His elected, He reveals to us what that thought was in the Word of God. Can what denominational systems and man-made systems is, that's man telling us what God thought. But what is a prophet? He's a divine interpreter of the Word of God. So God sent us a prophet to tell us exactly what God had in His mind. You know what that is? That's grace. That's grace. He knew that that seed was in you, that you're a womb, and that that Word would come. And that Word would bring to life that seed. And that you'd have a birth. And so we we understand. Let me read you... I'm sorry. Let me read you this great definition. And I've got to bend over because I have to get close to read. So I'm only half lazy. Culture. The totality of socially transmitted behavior patterns. Okay, that's the behavior patterns. It is when a group of people have the same behavior patterns. I visited Manitoba, and I found out that pierogies is a part of their culture. It's a socially transmitted thing. Can I say that? You know, so you understand. I, I, I believe I have some friends from Mexico that are here somewhere that know me. It, it's just like rice and beans. Everybody eats rice and beans. You know, I brought some people that come visit me from away. And, and so, you know, I'm taking them to steakhouse. I'm taking them to fish. I'm taking them to fried chicken. I'm taking them to chicken fried steak. I'm taking them to all the great places. One day, one of the birds just looked over me and says, Do you have any rice and beans? <laughs> no, what I'm trying to get to is that, that we, we're within cultures. And so it goes on. It's a, it's a socially transmitted uh, behavior pattern, arts, beliefs, institutions, and all other products of human work and thought. So all the product of human thought and, 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 and what uh, 
creates to us the way that we perceive, what we like to eat, the way that we do things, the customs that we have, both in art and socially and all those things. That's what the sum and substance of culture is. Now listen to this. Culture is learned and shared within social groups and is transmitted by non-genetic means. So if I would take a little child from some place maybe like Kinshasa or Bujmaya or some place, and I was to take that child in my home, that child wouldn't be eating uh, salsa or fufu or kavtava or fish heads. Don't tell me you don't eat fish heads. I've been over to too many houses and had them. That salty fish. It wouldn't cook in palm oil. You understand? Because culture is something that's learned. We learn it. And, and, and we develop our, the taste that we have has been taught to us. And, and, and we've got to understand that, that, that and, and through, that, through that, that culture and through that definition that it's things that, that we learn. And, and it, it's, it's brought to us and it, it, it causes us to be the way that we are. And, uh, and so uh, we find out that we're raised up in a culture. And that culture teaches us values. Yeah, I'm just kind of rolling along here. I hope I can hold my thought together with you. But it teaches us values and and things that we value, whether it's a certain type of food, whether it's a certain type of entertainment, you know, whether it's a certain type of job. I remember going to a place and all the young kids, they wanted to get canoes and canoe down the river and go canoeing. I put my little toe in the water and I said, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, that's what they like to do. It's their culture. They're, 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 they come from the bush and, and they're driven. They love the outdoors. You know, they love to get bit by mosquitoes and, and fight off black flies and, and, and those things. You know, that's, that's big times to them. You know, you know I mean, I, I went from, well, I'm, I'm a city boy. I, you probably know my friend Danny Fair. I remember going with Danny Fair, you know, and, and so we go up to some place to, to fish and, and everything, and nighttime comes, you know, and I go over to my little backpack and I get out my pajamas and my blankie and my pillow. And Danny, you know, he's a big burly guy, he says, Oh, you city, you know, who needs pajamas? I said, well, you know what? Well, I'm going to be comfortable. <laughs> and, and, you know, he, uh, he just lays out there and sleeps, you know. And I wake up in the morning. He's all 
ate up with mosquito bites and everything, you know, and I was in the safety of my pajamas. <laughs> but see, culturally, he would never do that. You know what I mean? It just, it, it was absolutely, he, he never learned that. You understand? So I just laying that down there to, to make, to have you get a grip on that we're all victims of culture. And what that we're going to find out that we battle against is we battle against the culture in which we were raised. Now remember my remark. Culture conforms to the Word. The Word does not conform to culture. In other words, you don't adjust the Gospel to meet what you've been taught in culture. The Word alone stands alone as its own culture. It's not an earthly culture. It's a heavenly culture. And culture is learned. That's why we have a gospel. And that's what happens to us. He says... We have learned the way that we are. It is. I, I, I watch him. You know, Brother Bisco made the comment what he made to the African brothers in at our church when he preached for us. And what he told them is, don't conform to American culture. And he also made reference to Canadian culture. Don't come over here and lose your zeal for the gospel. Lose your zeal to worship because now you're in a dead, cold, formal country. Okay, don't, don't lose some of those things that, that you have. And... And so we find out that we've learned culture. And what happens is, you know, if you're a Christian or when you become a Christian, we learn new values. You understand? Because we're learning a new culture. That, that's what's transpiring in us. That all of a sudden we become a, a Christian and we learn things. I'd like just to, uh, uh, am I okay? Yeah. I, I know I went a little long this morning, but, you know, that's okay. All you have to do now is go home, eat, and go to bed. Yeah. Right? So, it, 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 this is an article from, uh, uh, about uh, Christianity. And, um, and, and what it says is, it says, this is a list of ten values or principles for living that are emphasized most strongly in the Bible. So these men went through the Scriptures and they found all the Scriptures that pertain to certain things. Now, can, and, and these are our values too. You know, we might have some more distinct values because they're just going to the Bible as men. But we had a prophet take us to a Bible. So our value system should be greater. But it says number one value for a Christian, worship only God. 
Okay, number two. Respect all people. And they, they list tons of Scriptures that emphasize that. Number three, be humble. Number four, be honest. Number five, live a moral life. So these are in order of the number of references and Scriptures to the values. They're not listed in order of priority. They're just listed in, in order of, of reference. Live a moral life. Number six, be generous with time and money. Number seven, practice what you preach. Don't be a hypocrite. Number eight, don't be self-righteous. Number nine, don't hold a grudge. Number ten, forgive others. Most all of those values pertain to others. But yet they're values. And, and so we, we've got to understand that when we became Christians, we learned a new value system that, that, we, that we understand now that we're going to live by this value system. You, know, you understand what I'm talking about. Because the time that we live in, we need grace. And I want to talk to you about the grace. I want you, uh, my, my friends, my young friends, my school friends, even those of us that are in jobs and those parts of life, I want you to understand the importance of grace in your life. Can, uh, what it is that is, is so valued and, and why that we need it. And, and in order to do this, I want to talk to you about a study. They did a study and because they were realizing, employers were realizing, psychologists were realizing, psychiatrists were realizing, doctors were realizing that there, there, was, there was absolutely so much unhappiness. And people in general are miserable. That's scriptural. And, and so they, they sought out in their study to find out, and, and to find out the study to show why people are unhappy. And they found out they're unhappy with their jobs. They're unhappy with their marriages. They're unhappy with their life direction. They have a lack of satisfaction with almost everything. And so they want to know, why is it? Why, why are we in such a wreck? And I want to say, if, if you are suffering in any of these areas, I just trust that this will reach out and help you. 
But the reason they found that people were so unhappy is they were not living by their values. So let me give you their examples. They said, your values are the things that you believe are important in the way you live and work. Your values are what's important. It's what that you find important in the way you live and the way you work. I've always had a value in me that I hate to quit. I've been in, even in sports, in, when I was in high school, before my conversion. I didn't like to quit. I won a lot of fights because I just wouldn't quit. The other guys just said, well, okay, forget it. I'm tired of fighting. I beat you up 25 times. You know, I've knocked you down. I've bloodied your nose. I've blacked your eyes. And, and I would sit there all beat up, ready to go. And I would finally look at him and say, Am I the winner? <laughs> yeah, you're the winner. Now, it may have been a misplaced value. And thank God for the wisdom of His Word. You know, next time I'll turn the other cheek. But values are what's in, important in the way you live and work. Now remember, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing this out, if I could say, to maybe those of us who are a little younger, because the rest of us are probably too old to teach. Values, they should determine your priorities. And deep down, they probably the measure you use to tell if your life is turning out the way you want it to. When things that you do and the way you behave matches your values. Life is usually good. You're satisfied and content. But when they don't align with your personal values, that's when things feel wrong. This can be a real source of unhappiness. Now, they're dealing with people in everyday life. They're saying, they're coming to them, why are you happy? And they find out they don't have any values. And if they are, they're not living by the values that they have. And so they, they find out that this is a, a real detriment. So they're trying to get people back on their feet. And they're telling them, you've got to find out what your values are. You've got to discover your values. You've got to look for their values. They're, now they're trying to train people to find values. Because employers can't keep people on the job. People aren't doing good work. Because they don't have values. 
They're getting shipwrecked client after shipwrecked client. Doctors are getting people with all kinds of uh, sicknesses and troubles that aren't even caused by bugs or germs. That's more scientific, isn't it? Okay. You know, it, it's unhappiness. They call it stress. I'll define stress for you. A life lived without value. And so they're, they're trying to solve these things. And so they, they point out these examples. And then we'll move on and close this evening. Values exist whether you recognize them or not. So people have things that are driving them, but they don't even know what they are. So the first thing they're trying to get the world on track is find out what your values are. That ain't too bad of advice for us, is it? Because they exist whether you recognize them or not. Life can be much easier when you acknowledge your values and when you make plans and decisions to honor them. Now, here's an example. Now, this is the world talking. You want to know something? A lot of things in the world are pretty factual. These people are actually factually going through this nightmare. That's the way they exist. You're contacting people every day that they don't know why they're unhappy. They're miserable. They find themselves in a trap. And they don't know how to get out. He says, now, this is for an example. If you value family, so this is a, a, a psychologist or an a, a HR person or someone sitting down with a workman that's unhappy. His marriage is no good. He's absolutely unproductive. And he doesn't want to get rid of them because he knows he's just going to have another unproductive person sitting there. Because the whole world's wrecked. And, and he says to him, he says, do you value family? And he says, if you value family, but you have to work 70 hours a week in your job, you will feel internal stress and conflict. You won't be happy. You just won't be happy. Now, people stay in that condition. Just hope that there. They stay that way. That's self-inflicted misery. You're totally unhappy.
And if you do not value competition and you work in a highly competitive sales environment, are you likely to be satisfied with your job? No. In these types of situations, understanding your values can really help. When you know your own values, you can use them to make decisions about how to live your life. And you can answer questions. And then they start listing some questions. But I want to say that we have values. And we have a world that doesn't have the same values we do. Can I rephrase the question? If you don't believe in working on Sunday, and you're working on Sunday, you will not be happy. You will have internal stress. And I could go on and on, but I'm not here to try to find things that condemn us. Because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. But He came that through Him men might be saved. Now this may be simple to you. But I'll tell you something. I know for a fact that God's hid in simplicity. It's the kind of God He is. Now, look at you. When you became a Christian, you learned a new culture. You learned a word culture. You began to dress different. Our society tells us that women should wear pants. That they should put on makeup. That they they should uh, that they they should have certain conduct that you know that women should be authority. I remember one time that my wife somebody gave her a bunch of makeup for Christmas, and she hadn't worn makeup in you know. She didn't even wear makeup when she was in the world. You know, we were hippies. Maybe that might be the only good thing about hippies. I don't know, but I'll take it. And, and, and this person's cultural and value system maybe thought my wife couldn't afford it because she didn't know how good she would look with that stuff on. But you know, the thinking was so warped that wouldn't they know that if I wanted that on my wife that I'd have bought it for her? But the system is so warped. And man's thinking is lost. And we know the battles in the mind. This is what I want to leave with you today in 
And it, it's, it's personally my love for my people. Okay, I, I want this to be something that we understand. We do not have to give up our values. We can live by the values that were taught to us by Malachi 4.5 through Luke 17.30 the, for the fulfillment of Revelations 10.7. We can live by the mysteries that was revealed to us by the opening of the seals, by the understanding of the church age. One of the characteristics of a true prophet is he never compromises on the Word. And one of the characteristics of our culture, the culture we share, the culture that we transmit to one another, the culture that we stand for as a people of God, we do not compromise on this message. So we're in a pretty hard place. We got a world that's designed now because of the time, because of the love of money, because of the love of pleasure more than the love of God, because of the time. We find ourselves in a condition where the world wants to reject your values. They want to they keep you from keeping your values. But I want to tell you there's something called grace. God knows you want to keep your values. So I'm trying to say if this is coming in our when we're going to have to rely on God's grace. We can't use our weaknesses for excuses. We can't use our ability to accomplish the task. Faith knows what God wants and what He wills. And we find ourselves in a place, I can't do this. They won't let me. I got to pay my rent. And all the pressure. He starts screwing it down on you. He starts working on your mind. He works on you. Oh, I'm 27. I'm not married. I'm 33. I'm not married. You know, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat worms. Oh, I don't know the language very well. You know, my back hurts. I don't care what it is. But what he wants us to do is he wants us to press to a place and press us to a place that we don't live by our values. And they know, Satan knows, that if you don't live by your values, you will not be happy. 
And the worst witness for this gospel is an unhappy Christian. Someone that can't live the very life they want to live. Not because they don't want to live it. Because it's being robbed from them by the world. I want you to know that there's something called grace. It's a power that's sent from the throne of God to make a way. When there's no way, it makes a way. When there's no job, he becomes the job. When there's nobody standing with you, He'll stand with you. Grace isn't a myth. Grace isn't a, 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 a formula. It's not something you talk about. It's not a descriptive term. Grace is the love of God put into action. Grace is God's love for you put into action on your behalf so you can keep your values. You make a stand on your values, God will make a stand for you. You choose to believe it and stay with it regardless of the consequences. God's grace will change the world. We got to use it. We got to rely on it. Let me tell you something. Your theology ain't going to move the devil. You can go in there and say, well, boss, God sent a prophet. Good. I'll see you Sunday. You can go in there. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. Great, great. Go ahead and keep some of that money out for me on the side. You can tell them everything. But when you stand and make your value, I'm not going to be here Sunday. I'm going to church. And after I go to church, I might be able to help you out. But I'm going to church. I go to church. I'm a Christian. I'll go to church. If you want me, I'll be here. But I go to church. I've seen bullies. I've seen people come to me bawling. They, they, they want me to make pa- wear pants. They want me to wear pants. I said, did you tell them you don't wear pants? Yeah. I said, you go back and tell them. I'm not going to wear pants. I ain't going to do it. And I said, if you try to change my religion, you're discriminating against me. And I want you to know one thing. I've got a right to live by my values. It's a God-given right. God's given you the right to live by the things that make you happy. And if you're a Christian, you've got word values. You've got the values of this message. You've got the values of the things that are real to you that you've got to live by. And if you don't live by it, you have no joy.
joy. And He promised us peace that surpasses understanding and joy unspeakable. You say, what's going to bring that to pass? Grace! Grace! God before you. Who can be against you? What weapon can stand against grace? I may not know very much. And I know that I think I'm a lot smarter than I really am. But I'll tell you one thing. With grace, all things are possible. It's grace that snatched me out of the hands of the devil. It's grace that kept me from making some of the worst decisions I would have ever made in my life. It's grace. Grace is as old as the world. My friends, kids that are in school, that face peer pressure, that you face the pressure of uh, having a spouse, that you face the pressure of who's going to take care of you, who's going to see you through. I'll tell you, who's going to see you through? Grace is going to see you through. Grace is going to make a way for you. Old soldier who's at the end of your road and this body begins to cramp up. Your sight begins to dim. You don't hear the way that you used to hear. You wonder what lies ahead of me in the years to come. Will I be abandoned? Will I be laying someplace in some bed with nobody taking care of me? Will I run out of money? I'll tell you who'll take care of you. Grace will take care of you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you, even in you, till the end. Because of the time, we need grace. Sinner, friend, someone who's bound with the habit, maybe lust and the things of this world have work their way into your mind and you just can't seem to break away from it. Let me tell you something. Call upon the grace of God. Say, oh God, I need your grace. I need a power sent down from your throne to make a way for me out of here. I need grace. I can't make it without grace. I, I know this message the best that I can know it. I've studied it from cover to cover. I've read my Bible from all the way through. And I can't make it without grace. I cannot make it unless God sends His grace to take me through. He wants us to be one person. Grace. I believe in miracles. 
I believe in it. I believe that He can do things for us. That He mends us and heals us and could do things for us with never compromising on the Word of God. There's only one that can make a way because it's something that's humanly impossible. But it's not impossible for grace. Nothing is impossible for grace. As simple as it is. For whether you're eight years old, if you can understand me, when somebody's trying to tempt you to do something that you know is not your value, it's not the way you should live, and you need help, there's something called grace that'll help you. It'll help you young ladies keep yourself. It'll help young men from trying to invade the privacy of the sacredness of womanhood. It'll help us be honest. All those values that I read, it'll help us be humble. It'll help us do things. It'll help you testify. It'll help you witness. Grace is the source of our life. It's not our intellectual knowledge. Grace lets us know what the will and the way of God is. It's in the message, look, he said knowledge can never do it for you. And I tell us this evening, we're a people that need something from the throne of God. And I don't care what you have a need tonight. If you have a need tonight, I'm not going to make an altar call. I won't, I won't try to pray for you unless you want to be prayed for. But if you in your heart could just say, you know, I need some of this. I need some of this grace. I need it for my health. I need it for my mind. I need it. This Bible told me that if you ask, in no wise will he turn away. He's got grace for all those who want to keep his word. He's got grace for all those that want to keep the value in your life. And if you're living a part of your life not according to your values, I implore you, because I know by experience that God makes a way. Grace made a way out of a dark dungeon that I was in. God orchestrated every little move by His grace. And you think that I'm going to abandon the thing that got me this far? No. I say, Lord, I need it now more than ever. Lord, I, I, I need it now.
Oh, I wish I was a singer. I would just sing a song. I would sing about the place of peace and the freedom I have. I'd sing about lifting my hands and, 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 and just doing those things. Brian knows the song that I would love to sing. But I can't tell you any deeper from my heart that because of the time, you understand what I mean when I say that? Because of the time that we're in, because of this end time, because of this darkness, we need one another. And we need the grace of God more than we've ever needed before. I need grace. Does anybody else need grace? Amen. Don't you love them? If you need it, he's got it. God bless you. I love you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to me. I hope that some way that I've been able to say something that encourages your life, that has placed you in the right direction, that has caused you to leap, look deep inside and make sure that the separations and things that you've been through hasn't left any bitterness or scars in your heart. And if it has, grace. Grace, grace. God richly bless you. Thank you.
But that would be my own anthem, that it was amazing grace. It will always be my song of praise. For it was that grace that brought my liberty. It wasn't you. It had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with the Lamb of God. That knew exactly what we needed. And so then he sent himself to make this word alive to you and to me that is amazing amazing grace if you just look up the word amazing it's very simple it's a very simple word it's astounding it's surprising it's stunning it's staggering and it's shocking and you can say that's exactly what this grace has meant to me. It staggered me. It shocked me that God should love me as we heard the opening scripture tonight. And maybe you just want to express in the closing moments of time, if God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son at Calvary, maybe you need to express some love back to him and say, Lord, I love you for this amazing grace that you've shown to me. I want to express my love as a husband would his wife or a wife to their husband. And maybe some of you young people don't know that. But that love grows richer and deeper as years go on. And so it is amazing. It is surpassing. It's shocking, staggering. It's breathtaking amazing grace and as you dwell on that just thank the Lord that God sent a servant to speak to us not just the message saints to let us know that this headstone's come down and he's talking to you that God has sent his grace to your address and you want to lift up your hands to Him. You want to lift up your voice to Him. You want to lift up your heart to Him. And you want to thank Him for that amazing, shocking, awe-inspiring grace. And you want to say to Him, Lord, I love you from the depths of my soul. For without this grace, where would I be tonight? Where would we be tonight if grace hadn't come by your way? I say, Lord Jesus, I love you with all my heart. And Heavenly Father, we have heard from the throne of God today. This morning service, this evening service, we stand back in awe to hear the word of life. Lord, being articulated exactly to needs within the assembly and within my own life. I say, Lord, this is stunning. It's awe-inspiring. It's shocking. And I love your grace tonight. I love the value of it. I don't devalue it in an age where everything's being devalued. I value it with great value. I hold it in high esteem. And I love you for that amazing grace, Lord. So various hands, various hearts have been opened. And we want to say from the depths of our soul that we love you with a great love. Move us, Lord, into the value of this grace of God within our lives. And to think that you would come down in this generation 
as your prophet said, to make this real to me. That is astounding and amazing. So, Father, as we have pondered many deep thoughts today, I pray that you will pour out grace upon your servant. I pray that you will guide him in the days to come. That you'll keep your hand on him wherever you lead him as a son of God. We thank you for Brother David McGeary. Lord, you, you, you make us for a certain ting in the bell. And we love the ting tonight. We love that word that has come forth through a vessel that we have loved and are thankful for. For his dear wife, Leslie, they poured out their lives for this Holy Ghost gospel. I pray, Lord, that you will pour back more and more and more to them. And so, Lord, as we will go our separate ways, and if there are those that would want prayer, and we're here indeed for that, I pray that the grace of God will just be poured upon them more as the days go on. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I thought one song I wanted to sing this morning and after tonight I thought I'd like to sing it again more so because I want to make a stand for what I I believe I believe in what I heard this weekend I believe it and so I want to pledge my allegiance to that word to this lamb to this unveiling of God let's just sing that as we get ready to go I pledge allegiance to this land. I heard
Amen. Do you pledge that allegiance tonight? Well, I just want to give a, one more thank you. And I think as an assembly, we had a special weekend having Brother David McGarry here, and we want to show our appreciation. So God bless you, Brother David, and thank you. Brother David, you said it was eight years, right? Did you say it was eight years? Yeah, something weird like that. You know, it just time goes on and we do things, but we're not going to let it be eight years again. By the grace of God, Brother David, you have a lot to us. And I know that the Word of God spoke deeply. And I know we all drank deeply this weekend. And for that, we thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your life. We thank you that you've been an example and a beacon, an upholder of this message. Not too many people can say, I've been 40 years fighting this fight of faith. And I, I, I'm not going to put words in Brother David's mouth, but I can tell you he's stronger today than he was 40 years ago. And we can say like Caleb, I'm stronger now than when I first started. And how many can testify of that? What? What is it? It's the Word of God. Brother Timothy, such a joy to see you standing there. My goodness, there's, that spot is so vacant. And we thank God that He brought you here healthy, here worshiping and with us. God bless you. Brother Gilbert, did I see you standing back there? Welcome home too. Welcome home to each and every one that's been away. Brother Terry. There you thought, I didn't see you. I saw you up there. Don't worry. Amen. God bless you all. We had a blessed time. It would be good for you to hear the archive. Hear it over again in your quiet time. And then see what God will speak to you from that. Greet one another with a godly handshake until we meet again. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.